brother D. And at this point, we're going to start the last seven sayings of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Pastor Winola. Set with the first word from seven last sayings in the Prisoner Radio Show. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Amen. Hi, I am Pastor Winola from Agape Love Movement Church. Located in the Longcrest section of Philadelphia, 558 and a half Alcott Street. I want to first thank Brother D and Sister A for giving me this opportunity to come on and to share this word with you all on today. I have the first word, which is coming from Luke, the 23rd chapter, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Here we see agape love in action. Jesus, being a sinless man who did nothing but show love and kindness, he was being about his father's business. He now finds himself being falsely accused. He was tormented. He was beaten, mocked, and persecuted. We can't even imagine the pain and the agony and the humiliation that Jesus endured that day being abandoned by his loved ones, beaten till his flesh was torn from his body. They pulled his hair off his face. They crowned him with a, a, a crown of thorns. The Bible says he was disfigured and unrecognizable, but that wasn't even enough. They then drove nails in his hands and in his feet. They hung him up on an old rugged cross. Yet, in spite of all of that, he prayed for them. The first thing that he did was he prayed for them. And I said, what was Jesus teaching us? To the unbeliever, he was letting them know that there's nothing wrong that you can do that cannot be forgiven. Here it is. He did nothing, but yet they persecuted him. They was beating him. And in spite of that, he's letting them know it doesn't matter what you did. You're still able to be forgiven long as you come with the repentant heart what was he teaching the believer he was teaching the believer that no matter what is going on we still must be about our father's business Jesus never stopped being about his father's business what is his father's business his father's business was love and in love forgiveness is love and it's only through forgiveness that we can experience the fullness of God's love. It is important that we have a forgiving heart. God instructs us to love. In Luke 17, 3 and 4, he commands us to love. In Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it lets us know that our forgiveness is connected to us forgiving others. For when we forgive, then God will forgive us. When we forgive, restoration occurs, my God. Relationships get restored. Friendships get restored. Marriages get restored when we forgive. If we say that we love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and with all of our soul as believers, then we must do what Jesus did, and that is demonstrate and show love. That means when you go to work and they mistreat you, you still got to show love. That means that when you go into the store and the cashier is nasty or the waiter tosses your money or doesn't treat you right, you still have to show love. That means that when your spouse isn't being the nicest, you still have to show love. And to those who say, I don't know this Christ, what does that mean for me? That means that there's nothing that you did. You cannot out the cross. Amen. You can't out the cross. So that means that Christ forgives all your sins. All we have to do is come with a repentive heart. Hallelujah. And that's what he did on that day when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Why? Because many a times we hurt people and don't even know that we hurt people. Many a times people do things. They were doing it in, this, in their ignorance because they were deceived. Many of them were deceived by the leaders. They were the same people that a few days before they were hollering, Hosanna. They was blessing them, Hosanna. And then here comes somebody in their ear 
And now they're the same ones that saying crucify him, crucify him. Can you imagine what Jesus felt that day? Because his whole life here he was, was being about his father's business, healing. I'm quite sure there was some of their family members that he opened up the blinded eyes. He opened up the deaf ears, raised the dead. And yet out of all of that, all the good that he did here, they are persecuting him. But yet he demonstrated God's love for us. By saying, Father, forgive them. Where we would have said, God, please take the pain away. We would have been, you know, praying, Luno, make it easier. No, he was concerned. And that's about forgive being f- about forgiveness. Forgiveness is being concerned about the offender and showing the offender your, you know, that God still loves them. And that's what we are called to do. Hallelujah. Thank you. Amen. Amen. That was just Pastor Winola. Next up, we have the very anointed, the very talented. <laughs> one of our singers from Jehovah Shalom Church. It is the one and only Pastor Kelly Cordery Simmons. Good morning. My name is Pastor Kelly Simmons, and I bring you greetings from Jehovah Shalom Church, God Cares with Love Ministries under the spiritual leadership of Archbishop Willie Charles Signal III and Bishop Catherine Signal. My last words come from Luke chapter 23, verse 43, from the New King James Version. Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. If you read this passage, starting at verse 39, you will see that Jesus is being crucified between two criminals. One decides to mock Jesus and says to him, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other criminal, knowing that they were guilty, said, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus' response was, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now this was Jesus at his worst hour. But he was still fulfilling everything that God had shown him to do and saying everything that God told him to say. Jesus could have decided when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane to escape. For when Judas and everyone came looking for him, Jesus asked, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus responded, I am he. And the Bible says in John chapter 18, 6, now, when he said to them, saying, Jesus, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. They fainted, y'all, at Jesus' words. He could have decided to escape at this point, but he stayed and let himself be arrested. He told Peter that he could have prayed to his father for 12 legions of angels and all the angels could have wiped out everyone who came to arrest him but he didn't pray for his escape Jesus decided to endure the cross he decided to be beaten mocked spit on he allowed his beard to be pulled out he allowed to be himself to be whipped beyond recognition and to be nailed to a cross he did all of this so that he could say to this criminal, Assuredly, this day you will be with me in paradise. Sometimes people think it's a difficult process to get into heaven, but it's not. All you have to do, as my 14-year-old son said, is say a few words and believe them in your heart. More specifically, Romans Chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. The criminal on the cross never got a chance to go to church. He never got baptized. He never received power from the Holy Spirit. He never spoke in tongues, but he still went with Jesus when he died. 
So if you want to go to heaven and be with Jesus after you die, repeat these simple words. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I believe in Jesus' birth, crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. Please come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. If you repeated these words and believe them in your heart, you are saved. Find yourself a church that teaches and believes in the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. May God bless you real good. Amen. Amen. That was just Pastor Kelly. And uh, before that was Pastor Vanola. So true. So true. So true. Once again, this is Brother D, the Praise the Lord Radio Show. We are doing the seven last sins of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next up, we have Behold Your Son, Behold Your Mother. This is uh, minister, author, activist, prophet, Christopher Signal. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, good morning, everybody. So good to hear everybody this morning. The word is powerful. Amen. God is so good. I love all of y'all so, so much. And let's let's just jump right in here. I think I'm in John chapter 19, verses 26 through 27. I think this must be a special word for me because every time in my life I've ever preached the seven last words, I've always been given the same word. Amen. <laughs> so God, so God must be trying to tell something to me. Amen, bro. I love all of you so much. John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. Now when I look at this story, something always stands out to me. Every time I've analyzed the story and I've prayed over it, something just always leaps out at me. Now I see Jesus on the cross. I see his disciple, who he's referring to as John. I see Jesus' aunt, the Bible calls her the wife of Cleophas. I see Mary Magdalene, and I see his mother Mary. But there's somebody that's missing in the story. The person that's missing is Joseph. And the question that the Lord has been put on my heart several, several times in dealing with this text is, whatever happened to Joseph? The Bible never talks about what happened to the earthly father of Jesus. Now, some people say that Joseph died early. That may have happened. Some people say, well, maybe Mary and Joseph got a divorce. Some people say Joseph got sick. Some people say maybe Joseph had run off. Looking at Scripture and Scripture alone, the Bible does not tell us whatever happened to Joseph. But we do understand that at some point in Jesus' young 33 years of life, he went through a significant portion of his life without having his father figure there. So if you've ever lived a life with a fractured, strained, broken, or absent father figure in your life, you can look to the life of Jesus and see that despite those challenges, despite that void, God will still take care of you and God will still keep you. David said in Psalms 27, if my mother and father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. You will experience a moment in life where that structure, that family system that you depended on, that you relied on, is no longer there. In those moments, God will still care for you. But what we see in this particular text is that there will come a time in life and ministry and that God will test everything around. Here is Jesus on the cross with his mother looking at him when they're beating them and they're harassing him and they're piercing him in his side and they're putting a crown of thorns on his head. You see, it's one thing to talk about somebody and to treat them wrong, but it's something different when that happens and your mother is staring at him, looking at you. It's almost like a form of torture. But what Jesus is saying is that even in this most significant moment in ministry, even at this particular time where he's doing his atoning work on Calvary, he never forgot about his mother. The Bible says, honor thy mother and thy father, that thy days may be long on the face of the earth. I don't care what has ever happened between you and your parents. Now, some people listen to me right now, you and your parents may have had a big falling out. 
Some people, it may have been 5, 10, 15, 20 years since you spoke to your parents. I don't care what has went on. I don't care what has happened. But you still have to honor your mother and your father. So even while Jesus is in the middle of ministry, he turns to his disciples. Watch the story. He says, John, he says, I want you to take care of my mother. He looks at his mother and he says, mother, this is your new son, the whole son. In that moment, Jesus gave us a picture of what he was going to happen with us with the Holy Ghost. He said, these are all of my children. He says, I'm about to leave, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. So when Jesus left, he turned to the Holy Ghost and said, Holy Ghost, these are my sons and this is my daughters. Now you take care of them. And he told all of us. Guess what? I'm not going to be here no more in the natural, in the flesh. But now you can lean and depend on the Holy Ghost. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. If you don't have a mother and a father that's right there present with you, you still got a Holy Ghost that you can lean on, that you can depend on when you get in trouble, when you feel depression coming, when you feel like you're hurt, when you need that person to guide you and lead you. Just turn to the Holy Ghost. Behold. This is your new father that you can lean and depend on and go to for guidance in a time of trouble. Woman, behold thy son, behold thy mother. God bless. God bless. God bless. Thank you, Pastor. I'm Minister Chris. God bless. Amen. Amen. We're going to keep it moving this morning. It is an awesome morning. As you can see, the anointing is here. Woo! God is doing it. God is doing it. Oh, man. And what I'm loving about it is the different fabric of his people, how the different deliveries, the feel of them, you know, everything's anointed and how God just operate and move through different people. I love that. I, I love the tapestry of God. I really do. It's, it's beautiful. But we'll be right back with our next three speakers. And until then, hey, listen to this a little bit. My main man, Jonathan McReynoldson. Praise the Lord. Amen. I've seen rain, it's been dark I've felt pain, got these scars Sometimes it's all I can remember Where's the sun? Give me light Got to be more to this life Can't lie, it's been colder than December But when it comes to survival There's only one friend that I know truly depend on I know the way that you love me the way that you love me is everything I need to never let me go the way that you told me that you would always be everything I need to never let me go to never let me go
Amen, amen. That was this Jonathan McReynolds. Awesome, awesome time. You listen to Praise the Louis on G-Town Radio, gtownradio.com. Look up radio in Fishtown, Philly. Soul Prosper Radio in Dallas, Texas, and also on UGN Jams over in London. I'm Brother D. We're sitting here with the incredible Sister A, Big Mike, <laughs> Kim Paris, Pastor Winola. Uh, we packed in here this morning. That was this uh, the last speaker that we just went on. That was this minister, author, activist, prophet, Christopher Singel. He, he just he just picked up a new title just this that fast, just that fast. God just anointed him into the office of a prophet, which is just like his mom. His mom was a prophet who was our bishop. She passed away um, about five six years ago. Um, who was a prophet indeed? Who uh, who put us through prophet training class? I'm just being led to say this. So then uh, people say, "Do prophets need to go to training class?" Yes, you have to still sit down and get yourself tuned in, and. Um, like Elijah and Elisha and also the schools of the prophet, you still have to put yourself in subjection. So because you just don't want your words, your prophetic words, just to be something from that you feel or from that, you know, cause sometimes we go on how we feel because sometimes you'll find people can be either superstitious or just have compulsive disorders. <laughs> and, and we'll take that as part of the prophecy <laughs> and, and we'll take that as part of the prophecy. <laughs> but that's not the case. But God is good. I just want to introduce our next speaker, Pastor John Charles Hordery, the teacher. Oh, here we go. Good morning. Praise Alleluia, G-Town Radio. Brother D and Sister A, this is Pastor John Charles Cordery. And I wish I was there with you guys in person. I mean, I would, you know, of course, hug you guys and just tell you how much I love you, how much I appreciate you. I've known Brother D and Sister A for over 25 years, and that's longer basically than half of my life and it's always been a pleasure to see them walk through the door it's always been a pleasure to see them at the store out and about there's never been a time where it's been like uh here come the mcphersons but it's always been love amen and i'm pastor john charles cordery and i've been given the assignment of being the pastor of jehovah rapha healing school now what that entails is god is our healer as well as our savior there are many methods to healing. There's being sick in your body, then being healed by the power of God. There's being depressed, and then that depression being reversed, being lifted. And then there's just you walking in wholeness. That's you making healthy decisions for your body in terms of diet and exercise. And so we're doing the Stations of the Cross, the seven last sayings. And I will be coming from Matthew 27, verse 46. And it reads... And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. And it says, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And whenever you talk about Jesus, you have to talk about who he was prior to him putting on the form of sinful flesh. Now, take note, the form of sinful flesh. He was not born of sin, as we are. Amen. Because he is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. So he knew no sin. It says he knew no sin. That means he had no first-hand experience with needing redemption, as we do. And prior to that, he was God, the eternal, God the timeless. God is not bound by space. God is not bound by time, as we are. But he's ageless. He has never aged. He is technically not even a second old because he is not affected by the ravages of time as we are. Amen. And he is in the presence of God. It says in the Gospel of John 1 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's referring to Jesus. It says the same was in the beginning with God. And also it says in 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So he was in the presence of his Father. He was in the presence of the Holy Ghost for probably time that we can't even comprehend. And it says in his presence there is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures evermore. That's for us, the believers. That's an incentive to get into his presence. But Jesus was always in this presence. Remember, God is omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's the largest database in history, basically. Every idea that we have ever had as a race of people, as human beings, 
God has already foreknown everything that we will ever invent. Every discovery we will ever make, he's already known it. And so, remember, he's in the flesh. He's on the cross. Now, from verse 45 to verse 46, it says that for three hours, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, the world was covered in darkness. So he was on this cross agonizing for three hours. This is after being slapped in his face. This is after the crown of thorns being placed upon his head. And he has endured all of this. This is after the betrayal. And thank God that he knew the betrayal was coming. Coming from uh, Peter. The betrayal from Peter was coming. He prophesied it. You'll betray me three times. I'm so glad that he knew beforehand. Because that's the sting of betrayal. We don't see it coming and it's from someone close to us. I mean a lot of us are really living our lives in the aftermath as collateral of betrayal. But Jesus saw the betrayal coming. And as I said he prophesied it. So remember, he endured the cross for three hours at this point, from verse 45 to verse 46. How long can we endure hardship without wanting to throw in the towel? I mean, a lot of us, we can't even stand being talked about for three minutes. After the first slap, after the first punch from the Roman soldier, I would have said, all right, God, what's going on? <laughs> I would not have been able to take that. I would have been having a three-hour-long conversation with God. All right, he just punched me, God. I'm about to turn him into a jellyfish and stomp on him. But no, Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame because of the glory and the joy that was set before him. And I thank God for him enduring so that we are enabled and empowered to endure. Amen. Amen, amen. That was just my main man, Pastor John, a.k.a. Chuck Chuck. <laughs> Let it guy. Um. If you want an authentic laugh, always talk to John. <laughs> but um, next up, we have my wife of 23 years and growing. Amen. The one and only, the incredible minister, Sister A. Amen. Good morning. And I have um, the last one of the last sayings, I thirst. And I'm coming from John 19, 28. And it's and it reads. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Some others say I'm thirsty. Um, but Jesus said, I'm thirst. I thirst. And I like the part of this verse where it says after knowing that all things everything was completed or accomplished or finished or done then Jesus said I thirst I looked up the definition of thirst and the thirst and the definition is a feeling of needing wanting to drink something uh, some of the synonyms are dryness, dehydration, a sensation of dryness in the mouth and throat associated with a desire for liquids. Um, I always find this part about Jesus. He's 100% man and but 100% God. And when I think of him ask, saying, I, I thirst, I always say to myself, how? Can the creator of heaven and earth, the one who made the, who created water, who created the firmament, how could he thirst? How is he thirsty? The one who told the woman at the well, <laughs> let's go there, that whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. How could the one who put, who let the Israelites walk on dry land move water? Who can move water? Thirst? What is he thirsty for? Could it truly be water? That always 
I always ask myself that question. And when I seem to find out that, could it be that he was thirsty for more than not just water? That he was thirsty for the God of the universe? His daddy? As John had stated, that he had spent over three hours without being in the presence of his father. His father had to turn his back on him because he endured the sins of us all. Because he took on our sins. And the Bible tells us that the one that John in John 1, 1, I believe Christopher mentioned that as well. That he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In the beginning, I'm sorry. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So I'm. So the one who was with God in the beginning in which all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made the life giver. Could it be that the life giver was in need of, did he have to be replenished, revived? He was yearning parched for what though? Now I'm reading my notes. <laughs> the Bible verse states that knowing all things were now accomplished, completed, finished, done, the Savior, the Messiah, the anointed one in his anointing said, I thirst. Because Jesus was alone by himself, because his assignment was fulfilled, he craved for the life giver, the one who loved him so, the one he pleased the most by completing the task. He craved, he thirsted for his father, his daddy, the assignment giver. Just as we do as children, when we do well, when we follow directions, when we complete a task, we look for our daddy's approval or those who are in authority of us. We look for someone to pat us on the back or ruffle our hair or give us that kiss on the cheek. We sometimes, when there is no daddy, we become thirsty. And nowadays the kids say, oh, you thirsty, they'll say. And I looked up what that meant. And it says when there's a thirsty girl, that she's a girl who desperately craves the touch and attention of a man. So we long for his attention. We need to thirst for the father just as Christ thirsted for the father on the cross. Although he is 100% God and 100% man, he was being ex an example for us to be thirsty for God. Long to please him and him alone. Jesus was thirsty for the father's attention. He wanted to know when he wanted to know when we are when we are dry and we are dehydrated to seek the life giver. He wanted us to know that he wanted us to focus on dad, daddy God. Now that your daddy is pleased because of Jesus. He needed a refilling of God, the father. And sometimes that's what we need. <laughs> we need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. We need a refilling we need of, of God the Father. We need to remind ourselves that he so loved us. That he sent Jesus to die for us. Not only that, that Jesus took on the whole assignment. Yeah, he asked the Father, is there any way that I could not go about it this way? Or is there anything we could change? I can imagine him probably saying, Lord, they don't even acknowledge you. And you want me to do what? So I just, that's just my, me, me thinking that in my own head. But then he said, Never, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. And he fulfilled it. So we now know that he thirsts, that I believe that he thirsts for God. He thirsts for his daddy. And this is an example for us to become thirsty for God the Father as well. We have our daddy back now because of Jesus. We have a father. Those of us who may not have a daddy now. 
We have a heavenly father who so loved us that's no longer angry with us because of our big brother, Jesus. So thirst. Yes, be thirsty, girls. Be thirsty, boys. Be thirsty, men. Be thirsty, women. But be thirsty for God. Be thirsty for our daddy in heaven. So that concludes my I thirst. Amen. Amen. That was just uh, Minister Adrian, my lovely wife, uh, a.k.a. Sister A at the Praise the Lord radio show. Um, next up, the heavyweight. No, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm a little overweight, but nevertheless, it's Pastor Daryl. Amen. Pastor Daryl of Jehovah the Second New Church. Of Jehovah Tzikinu Church, aka Brother D, under the tutelage and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and my Archbishop Willie Charles Signal III, as well as his lovely daughter, Bishop Catherine Signal. Amen. Amen. And I have the task of it is finished. Amen. Amen. So here we go. And we're starting off at St. John 19. Uh, 30. I'm going to go at 30. Okay. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Amen. Um, we see here Jesus on the cross and after enduring the cross, after enduring the whipping, after enduring the shame, Jesus Christ then said, it is finished. And he gave up his spirit. For one thing, I want uh, I want to start off with is that knowing that Jesus was in total control the whole time. He said it is finished and he gave up his spirit. He knew the set time was there for him to do what he had to do. And he knew when it was time for him to leave. He knew how he had set this, uh, had, how the father had set this up because God had already played it out. That's why he wanted to turn away because he knew about the beatings. He knew about the shame. He knew about everything that was going to come his way. And that's why he asked his father, could that cup be removed? But at that very moment, he said he wanted to give it up. And and so he gave up his spirit. Why? Because he gave up his spirit for us that we can have what? Eternal life. And we and we see here. So I'm going to um, switch over to Hebrews chapter nine. And we're going to find out what Jesus done. Chapter nine, verse 11 through 12. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come. With a greater and a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bull and goats and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling of unclean sacrifices for the purifying of the flesh. Now, you may read that and say, well, what, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about today is that Christ did it all. A lot of times we want to look back and we want to do things ourselves. I can clean myself up. I can do this. I can do that in order to become cool with God. Christ paid the price. He paid the price of giving himself on the cross. And he also took our punishment. The beating was the punishment of sin. He took on sin on himself and died for us. And he also took the punishment of sin. A lot of times we like to punish ourselves and say, okay, if I just do this, if I stop doing this and I stop doing that and God will love me. No, only God can set you free from things. If you try to set yourself from something, you will always fall back into that trap. We always, always, always need God no matter how it look I don't care if you're good at it there's been times I've been great at things on my job and I said oh I can do this as soon as I say that I can do it as soon as I, I put myself up and say you know you know trust me lean on me don't lean on me lean on the God in me because I already know that I I will always fail without Christ he said he said out of his own mouth he said you can do nothing so when Jesus said it was finished, he meant, he meant what? He meant that I took on all this so you can live. I took on all this that you may be uh, established in the earth. I took on all this that through me that you can do all things. So when Jesus was on the cross, we have to understand that 
A lot of times we like to go under the old covenant, but God said, no, I'm bringing in a new covenant, a new covenant. What's, what's the importance of the new covenant? And we're found in Jeremiah 31, 31. And that's where the new covenant is found. A lot of people don't, don't really read the new covenant too much, but this is what God wanted to do with the new co covenant. And it's, it's Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. He says, behold, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. Who's going to make it? I will. This is who? The Lord. That's who's talking about the personal pronoun. He said, I will make a new covenant with Israel. He said, okay, I will make a new covenant with Israel, the house of Israel, and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them out of the land, um, out of the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. So he said, I'm not coming under that old covenant because we like to go under the old covenant to do things. Well, do this and God will forgive you. Well, do this and, and God will do that. No, everything is under Jesus Christ. The whole new covenant is, is built and established upon faith. And who gave us faith? God. God gives every man a measure of what? Faith. He gives us faith. And when he gives us the faith to, to do what? To believe him. We have to believe God for everything. That's why he said, when he said it is finished, it is finished. So our, our whole lifestyle, our whole mindset about God all comes through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is a shadow of what Jesus was going to do. It's a shadow. Remember, it's a shadow, but Jesus is the substance. He's the real thing. The shadow is just like pictures of what's coming. But Jesus is the substance. And I'm going to keep reading. Um, I'm at 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with your fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Now, get this. He said I was a husband to them, right? God was married to Israel, but what what are we? We are the what? We're the children of God. We're, we're God's kids. Amen. We're married to Christ, and we're born again. This is a greater covenant. Amen. So He was married to Israel. He made a covenant with them, um, but now God said, "I'm going to give you a better covenant." I'm going to 33. He said, "But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days," saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them in their hearts. What is that? That means you're born again. I'm putting my spirit on the inside of you. Remember, the spirit gives life. The letter killeth, but the spirit, why does the letter kill? The letter kills because the letter has demands. But since we're unclean, we can never keep those demands. The only thing that we can do is fall back into what Jesus had completed. And that's why he said it is finished because why did he have to finish it? Because you couldn't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. We have people in the corner all the time saying, well, you know, you know, this one day, you know, when, when I get myself right, I'm coming to church with you. You can never get yourself right. You can never, ever, 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 ever get yourself right. I know I only need one ever, but you can never, ever get yourself right. Amen. We can never get ourselves right. And when Jesus said it was finished, that means he done everything. He said, but this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put the law in their minds and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man and his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least to the greatest. What does that mean? That I don't have to go through prophet, priest and king anymore to know God. I don't have to go by them and go, what is the Lord saying? What is the Lord saying? I can go straight to him. He said, come boldly through the, through the throne room of grace. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. He, he, that's why the veil was rent. When, when Jesus was on the cross, that's why the veil rent. What was the veil? Only the high priest can go behind the veil. But now we're in Christ. Now you can go to God on your own. And God can talk to you. Amen? And God can sup with you. And he can tell you what's on his mind. He can build you up. He said, that's why you don't have to go over here or there. I can teach you. I can build you up now don't get me wrong you still should be in church you should have somebody over you but what i'm saying is your relationship with god he's the one when you're walking down the street at night he said, i felt something told me to told me to go on the other side of the street that's the holy spirit leading you telling you hey hey boo get get on the other side go over there and do this 
Go over, come over here and do that. When God tell you, don't take a job over here. Like on 9-11, when the people said, I just felt a check from the Lord not to go to work that day. That check was the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they was about to do something that was going to change the face of the earth. And that was to blow up two buildings in, in New York and kill multiple or thousands of people. That's the goodness of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So when you feel that check, know that the Holy Spirit is trying to work with you. That he's trying to talk with you. He's trying to do something in you. Amen. And I'm going to read on. Now, remember, we're talking about this is the new covenant. It's just the new covenant. And this is the best part of the new covenant. Well, it's all delicious, but it's all it's good. So I'm going to read from 34 from the top. No more shall uh, each man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest of them. Uh, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. He said, so what did he say? I will forgive their iniquity. So I forgave you. You know, people saying, well, forgive me over and over and over again. I'm talking about for salvation. Once you're forgiven, you're forgiven for salvation. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. He's not going to go back on the cross again and hang himself on the cross and say, okay, we're going to do this all over again. You're bought and paid for with a price. So how much money do you got to, to pay God back to, to relieve yourself from salvation? Nothing. There's nothing you can do. So if you're bought and paid for with a price, you're bought, you're his. You're bought, you're sealed. You're God's property now. And you're not going to jump. No man can pluck you out of, uh, out of God's hand. That, that includes you. Okay? Just in this case you're wondering. But what if they do this? What if they do that? You're mine. Now, sin will destroy your body. Sin will, will destroy your mind and cause your life to be short. But you belong to God. You go to him. You're his property. Amen. So when the guy said, I will remember your sin no more. He said, nor will I re remember their, your iniquity. That means you're no longer under a generational curse. A lot of people will tell you, you're under generational curse. You know, you know, um, you got to get from under. Only way you can be under a generational curse if you choose to walk in it. But Christ has set you free from the generational curse because why we're in the new covenant. Don't read under the old covenant out of all the things that are uh, all the bad things that are come upon you. God said only the blessings that the blessing of Abraham may come on the Gentiles. Remember, remember, Abraham wasn't under the law. Abraham was under grace. And that's what we're under right now. We're under the grace of God. Does that mean that we can sin? No. But what does it mean that Christ said that all of those curses that was on there, they're not of you. That the blessing, the blessing of Abraham, which is what? Before the law, is now coming on the Gentiles. And who's the Gentiles? That's you and me. And it could come on the Jews too. As long as you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So when, when Christ said it was finished, it's finished. It's nothing that you can do. It all comes through him. It's all by Jesus Christ. So we're going to go into this music and we'll be right back with the anchor. <laughs> Our friend Kim Parrish is going to be coming with the last said, I'm Brother D. And we'll be right back. Your hand holding me And how could I live without you I can't see Lord, what would I do in life Where would I go? How would I handle things All that I know Is I'd
We're about to go back into this word, and we have our final word coming up, and our final speaker, gospel artist Kim Paris. Amen. With Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And here she is. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm Kim Paris uh, Upshaw. I am a member of the E9 Tabernacle Baptist Church, where my pastor is the Reverend Dr. Alan E. Waller. And I am going to be speaking from uh, Luke chapter 23, verses 46 and 47. And it reads in the NIV, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. And you know, this makes me um, think about that in the Baptist tradition anyway, we call this the seven last words. Um, and this saying, this the word that is associated with this saying is reunion. Um, and that's because Jesus declares it's time to go home, to be reunited with God. And, you know, I, I wonder if how many people are listening right now. You know, sometimes it's just time to go home. Uh, it's much like a warrior returning home after a tour of duty. He's left the comforts of home. He's been through basic training. He's gone to war in a foreign land. But now after the war, after the battle, after the tour, it's time to go home. Home to his parent, home to protection and safety. And the soldier does a few things before he does, before he goes home, before, as he knows, it's time to go home. The first thing he does, he calls home and says, Dad, Mom, I'm coming home. And he might say something that the parent loves to hear, or he might ask for something familiar like a favorite food. Well, that's what Jesus does here. Jesus says, Father, I'm coming home. The work he was sent to do here on earth was complete. As Pastor D just said, it was finished. He had endured the beating, the torture, the thorns in his head, the, the lead whip, the nails in his hands and his feet, the cross, the complete separation from his father. The earth had already been dark. The sun had stopped shining. At high noon, think about that for a second. At high noon, when the sun was in its prime time, God, made the earth dark, the sun didn't shine, and the work was finished. It was now that Jesus said and called to his father and said, I'm coming home. And he says something that the father loves to hear, something familiar, the, the meat that he loved, that he talked about. He says the word of God. He spoke the word that David has said in Psalm 31, where David said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And Jesus now was saying back to his father, in full power and strength, even after hanging on the cross, he still had full power and full strength and full fullness of mind to remember the scripture and say, Father, into thy hand, I commit my spirit. He said, it's time to go home. And you know what else when it's time to go home for a soldier, for an earthly soldier, that soldier looks forward to the comfort and protection of home. It's home where there's care and rest. Home where you walk in the door and your parent welcomes you with open arms and a firm grip. Jesus declares that he's putting himself in the Father's hand. Now, you know God's hand. Don't you know God's hand, the mighty hand of God? You know the hand that dries your tears. The hand that lifts you when you have been humbled, he exalts you. The hand that holds you when you're afraid, the hand of safety, care, and protection. That's the familiar hand that Jesus was setting himself in. Imagine his anticipation of returning home to complete, unhindered reunion with God in heaven. Returning to the, the fully divine presence with God. See, he had left, as our preacher told us earlier, he had left his heavenly throne to take on human flesh, to walk the earth, to take on everything that we would go through in our lives. He had already done that. It was finished. Now he was saying, I'm getting ready to go back home. I'm getting ready to go back to who my I am in my divine. I'm going to take off this human 
and I'm going to put back on my full divine, 100% divine. He was going, he had been separated from God by earth and the limitations of the human body. And now he hung on the cross, but just having been separated by darkness and by the vileness of sin from God, he was now at the final stage, the final leg in his journey, so to speak, the final part of that Torah duty, which would lead him to home in heaven, having completed his duty faithfully, having rescued the lost, and having won the battle over the evil enemy, he was coming back to God's protection and care because now it was time to go home. And you know, sometimes for the soldier, when it's time to go home, they go home because they're injured. A soldier can't fight if he's injured. If he's lost a leg, an arm, or an eye, the army, the Marines, the Air Force, they tell the soldier it's time to go home, that they now will be reunited with their family because they lived. They didn't die. But for this warrior Jesus, our Savior, the story is very different. The wounding was his purpose. It was his service. His tour was about the beating and the suffering. It wasn't time for him to go home because he was wounded. See, the reunion with God was not because he was wounded. It didn't happen because he got hurt. No, the reunion was not predicated on his living to return home, but the reunion was predicated on his dying to return home. The wonder here for this warrior, Jesus, was that death ushered in the reunion with his father. He would only see the father again by dying. His death, the giving of his life was the cause for the reunion. It was why it was time to go home. Earthly parents mourn when the soldier dies. They receive the body solemnly. They know that the loved one had died at the hands of another in battle at the enemy's hand. But Jesus was no mere human soldier. He was like a commanding officer. He did not die at the enemy's hand. He died at his own command. At his own direction, in voluntary surrender, he laid down his life and he died. He died at his own command, but it wasn't, but because it was time to go home. You know, one day for each of us, Jesus is going to say, Kim, Michael, Pastor Winona, Sister A, Brother D, uh, you out there who are listening to me right now, Jesus is going to say it's time to go home. What will you do? Will you be ready to meet him? I wonder, will you be like the centurion who was standing by, the warrior who would know a warrior when he saw one, who realized that this warrior was not like any other warrior I'd ever seen. He was more like that commanding officer because Jesus determined when it was time to go home. And I wonder if you will be like that centurion, if you will have listened to the words that were preached today. If you will hear what Jesus said, it's finished. And now I commit my spirit into thy hand. Will you listen and see? And will you then say, certainly this was a righteous man. This must be the son of God. I wonder if there's any out there who would go even further than the centurion and not just praise God. But will you choose to voluntarily go with him to go home to? Will you admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior? Will you believe that Jesus died on the cross so that you might live? Will you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and savior? Will you do that today? Because we don't know when it's time to go home. He determines that. So be saved today because if you wait when it is your time to go home, it may be too late. Amen. We see you guys next week. Uh, amen, amen. Can we lift our hands together one time? My hallelujah belongs to you. Everybody, come on in concert and say it.
Cosby, and you're listening to Praise Hallelujah with Brother D and Sister Amy.